The only constant in business is change. Welcome to Trends, Bends, and Opportunities, the show that explores business ups, downs, and possibilities. I'm Pat Lynch, and I'm a retired police supervisor, and now I teach and mentor real estate agents who are looking to stand out above the rest. My partner is Dr. Lauren Murfield. He's a former college professor who now works with business leaders, small and large, to do what they never thought possible. Together, we're Doc and the Cop, and we're here to help you think bigger, reach higher, and do what you never thought possible in order to deliver disruptive success for today's world. Let's go. I'm Pat Lynch, and I am your host uh, for Trends, Bends, and Opportunities. And, uh, you know, I spent a career helping uh, law enforcement officers as a uh, police supervisor here in Tampa. And then uh, when I retired, I, I took on the role of helping uh, real estate agents succeed. And I am here with my partner, Dr. Lauren Murfield. Say hello, Doc. Hello, Doc. Hello and to everybody else. This Doc has spent his life, he was a college professor, and now he helps business leaders, small and large, do what they never thought possible. Doc, I know you have some exciting news about today. What's going on today? Today is a monumental day for us here at Trends, Bends, and Opportunity because Pat's got a clean shirt on. No, not really. He always has a clean shirt on. But today is our 50th episode. I forgot the noisemakers, Pat. But uh, no, this is a, this is a 50th episode. We are eternally grateful to everybody who's tuned in, followed us. We are going, working on the next 50 and beyond that. And today we've got a very special guest and doing a, oh, I just can't wait to hear about what he's doing because that's phenomenal. But before we get to that, Pat, I just want to say we got another podcast that we're also working on. And holy, what's that one? Holy crap. That's it. That's the name of the podcast. It's called Holy Crap. How'd they do that? And we take a look at disruptive thinking. We go back 500 years ahead, 50 years into the, in the current times. And uh, we'll just have a great time. You want to tune in wherever you listen to podcasts. Make sure you like, follow, share, send up smoke signals, uh, you know, maybe skywriting. I don't know. Uh, but but uh, get the word out. This is a great podcast. You'll have a great time. It's and called Holy Crap, How'd They Do That? And the two, difference between the two is we have guests on this one talking about trends and bends and opportunities. But on the other one, it's just you and I. And we just let it flow in free-flowing conversation around um, basically the holy crap thinking. And so it is two different podcasts. But if there was going to be a crossover, this would be the one today. Because holy crap. How the heck are you going to do that? How does an 81-year-old decide that he's going to hike the Appalachian Trail in segments during the COVID crisis shutdown. Holy crap, how'd they do that? So, but then it's no surprise to me once I knew who was doing it. John Nelson, welcome to our program and we are very interested, but first we, we learn a little bit more about you. I know you're in, you know, people have seen your podcast, uh, one, our episode on business and selling your business. If you haven't looked that up, go back to the archives. You definitely want to see it, especially if you're looking to sell your business. But beyond that, John, 
I know you're an author, great book, you know how much I love that, but who are you? And why well, are you in, a, in a capsule, I spent 35 years in the IT world and 20 years, last 20 years in investment banking. Married 51 years, got two great crone children and two grandchildren. And um, I've intentionally lived my life to be physically and mentally alert and alive. And I always have, and I guess I always will. So, no. so John, this sounds like a bucket list item. It, do you, is there such a thing as a bucket list at, in the John Nelson name, in the John Nelson family? Well, yeah, my recollection um, started very, very young. Uh, my mother had three children and two of them died and I survived. Oh. And she had a great husband and he died when I was six years old. So she was my motivation. And she set goals for herself and for me. And uh, it just got, became a habit. And all my life, I've looked at uh, life as a series of goals, positive goals. So I made all state band and orchestra in high school. And uh, our baseball team won the state championship. And I put myself through Louisiana Tech. and. Um, went on the road as a professional musician for six years and, and so forth and so on. So I, I've done a lot of things looking back that are goal oriented. Um, you know, and here I am at uh, 81 years old, I only plan to live to be 102. And so I've got a few more goals on my uh, bucket list. <laughs> you want to hear about the future ones? You, you, better, you better get cracking, huh? You only got 23 years left, 22 years left. Exactly, yeah. Well, I try to move fast. <laughs> um, I want to um, section hike the Appalachian Trail. Um, we can talk more about that in some detail uh, when it, the time is right. Just ask me any question you'd like about that because it's become one of my several passions and I'm really excited about it and I spent a lot of time, pleasurable time, researching and just generally digging in and uh, preparing for that uh, hike. Um, I also want to uh, get to market a business project, Business Exit Masterclass. I want to get that online. I've got one more big deal. I call it my swan song, and it's a big one, and I'll probably start that at the end of this year, a large business brokerage deal. And um, I want to does, take... does the name rhyme with uh, Small Mart or... Uh... Amazon or anything like not that? that or? Big. <laughs> no, not, <laughs> not in that league, but it's uh, big enough for my pocketbook. All right. Um, I, um, I, I want to get uh, the book that I wrote and is published. I want to get that screenplay picked up by Netflix and get it onto the big screen or the small screen, actually. And, um, and finally, then this is really one of my passions just is to stay in good physical and mental, mental health. And I work at it every day. So that's basically, that's basically my future and what I plan to do before the 102 year old rolls around. Well, you know, John, uh, I, I kind of drugged my wife kicking and screaming after she got me started running. I was the one who kept prompting her to say, I'm thinking about running a marathon. What do you think? And, that's where that shoe come flying at me again, Pat, you know? 
It's uh, Pat, Pat's wife's got a mood ring and leaves a red mark on his forehead, and my wife's got a shoe. But, uh, you know, I can't imagine asking her to hike the Appalachian Trail. I can't imagine me wanting to do that myself. Why? Why the Appalachian Trail, and why now? Well, most of my adult life, I've loved uh, hiking. Uh, we've, we've, I've hiked all over this country and some other countries, and I've spent over 100 days on the Appalachian Trail, and it was just always a magnet, and I've never slept on the trail, <clears throat> but I really loved it, and I've gone from, um, you know, Georgia through all the way to Maine, all the way to Mount Katahdin, and, but I've never hiked it, <clears throat> and I've read into a lot of people that were on that hike, and they were working out whatever problem they had or whatever goals they had. And I was just attracted to it. It looked like a completely different culture, different mindset, different world. And it just turned me on. <laughs> so at this age, I, as I looked at uh, what I want to accomplish, hiking the Appalachian Trail and doing the El Camino in Spain are, are two on the list. And so this is the year. And I want to start it this year and I want to do it in sections. What's that mean? Um, 2,200 miles, roughly, uh, from, from uh, 14 states, from Georgia to Maine, and uh, about 20% of the ones that started actually finish. So that's appealing to me, because I, I just like difficult goals. Um, and I have the tenacity spirit, so all of that appeals to me. And candidly, I didn't know a lot about how to prepare so I've just become a passion to learn. A lot of time in books and YouTube and other places. So now I've learned. Now I gotta execute. <laughs> so, so John, this is a 2,200 mile hike only trail. In other words, you're not bringing the motorcycle and, and, uh, or your mountain bike or anything. This is all John and his two feet? That's right, yep. And the, and the pack and a pack on your back, or do you do you have a sherpa coming with you, or a donkey, or? <laughs> well, in my dreams, yeah, I dream about the twenty-one-year-old blonde, female, of course. <laughs> yeah, but no, no, I, no sherpa on this one. It's wow. just me and Pat and Ben, bend my legs and pat my feet, and uh, backpack with everything that I need right there in the backpack, except once a week or once every two weeks, I'll resupply. So that's a whole vast subject, and you can ask me any question about that that there's curiosity to you. I'm, I'm curious, when you talk about sections, what's a section include? 500 miles? Is it 100 miles? What uh, is it's, what, it's whatever the hiker determines. In my case, I want to hike for 30 days, in a, a, a section of the Appalachian Trail for 30 days, and if I start in uh, Georgia, that'll put me the other side of... Um, the Smoky Mountains within that 30-day period. So I'll stop, come back to Tampa, uh, and then go back to where I left off and start another 30-day trip. Typically, a through hiker going from start to finish, much younger than me, is going to take from three to six months to do that hike. So if I just break that down, I've got uh, probably not three, but I probably got five to six months of section hiking that I need to do. 
uh, to complete the Appalachian Trail. Now, what what will that look like? And so I, I was I was kind of doing I was trying to do the math in my head. I used to be really good at that. I'm like, wait a minute, 2,200 miles, 30 days. That's 70 miles a day. You'd be running the whole way. Well, uh, yeah, but, I'm not going to yeah. do I'm not going to do 2,200 miles and. But, but, <laughs> but, but what, what's that what's that look like? Uh, uh, obviously, I'm sure there's parts of the trail that are easier to hike than others. So what's what the average per day? Isn't it all a sidewalk like Bayshore? <laughs> no, on a sidewalk on Bayshore, meaning very flat land, my cruising speed is three miles an hour. Now you can use that as a baseline and I've worked that a lot. I've been working on this project since uh, February. So I'll hike five to six days a week at speed, um, averaging about, um, right now I'm doing about three miles per day. I was doing eight and 10, and that's pretty hard on the body. Um, so I'm doing three miles a day, keep it in good shape. I got good stamina. Uh, so I can do that three miles per hour but you put a bunch of hills in, in the, as obstacles and you do about uh, a third of that going uphill and a little more than one of those uh, going downhill. If you're a business leader and you want to do what you never thought possible, connect with Dr. Murfield at murfieldcoaching.com. That's murfieldcoaching.com. So the Appalachian Trail is a complete roller coaster. It's up and down. It's considered the most challenging through hike in America because of the ups and downs. Now, and there's rocks there too, but it's really the ups and downs. So I've got to be prepared to uh, work between 10 and 15 miles a day is my my strategy and i have a, an application on my iphone that helps me plan every day in detail the water stops the ups and downs the campsites that sort of thing now now will you walk from like holiday inn to the hampton and then hampton to the embassy suites or how does that work uh no i'll, I'll tell you what i'll do it's burger king to mcdonald's right yeah, well, that's what I was wondering. With, with the big help of what's in this bag, this is a hammock. And I'll hike from hammock to hammock, if you will. I'll string this up at night and I'll sleep in it. I'll get up in the morning, have a little breakfast, get on the road, get on the trail, and then I'll string this up when I get to the end of the day's hike. This is it. Now I've seen them. that. Those make up a real, like a king size, like mattress, right? Well, it's a very good night's sleep, and I choose to use the hammock because it, uh, I will sleep flat. I'm a side sleeper, and uh, I do not sleep well on the ground. So this, is, uh, this accomplishes multiple objectives. It is reasonably lightweight. It's a very, very good night's sleep. has the built-in bug net, built-in tarp, and um, as you see, it's small. It's packable, and uh, for me, I wanted a self-contained system that was been tried and true. Uh, I didn't want to be reinventing the wheel. 
So you're not going to be dragging along a little red wagon or anything like that. This is, you're all going to carry this straight on your back and on the front or? Yep. No, just the back, just the back. It's a lightweight pack and I've worked uh, very hard to get it. Uh, the, it's called base weight. I'll tell you about that in a minute, but uh, the base weight is uh, uh, 12 pounds at the moment. That's every, everything except my food, my water, and my fuel for the, uh, the alcohol stove that I have. So those are variables. The food, the water, and the fuel, I'll have to resupply that weekly, and, uh, they, but they diminish every day. But my base weight of my, my, uh, my lodging, if you will, uh, my, my uh, accommodations of um, my pack itself, my sleeping gear, and my first aid and all those kinds of things are going to top out around 12 pounds. My clothes, all of that, it's going to be about 12 pounds. Now, is this like when you go on a cruise, you got to have your evening wear and your pool wear and your beach, you know, uh, business <laughs> casual, then you need formal? Interesting question. Um, so since it's a passion and I do a lot of research, most of the hikers take one set of clothes, no changes, and they wear those continually. I am choosing to do two sets of clothes, but I'm also bringing what amounts to a, a portable, not a bathtub, but a basin where I can wash those clothes every day or every other day. Um, so I, I, I'm going to be a little more hygiene conscious, I guess, is, uh, is the nicest way to say that. Socially friendly. Socially friendly. Well, I know I'll stink, but so will everybody else. Right. But, uh, uh, that's, but you don't want to be downwind. Uh, yeah, that's exactly right. Exactly. That's what helps you keep your pace. Uh, yes. <laughs> yes. We got to get away from that guy. Yeah. It might be yourself. Well, well, everybody else smells also. <laughs> so it's not like I'm uh, out there as an anomaly. I'm, I'm, I'm in pretty good company. So, so it's really, it's a choice. And there's a lot of choices I've had to make uh, voluntarily to decide how I wanted to do this. So I've not been on the Appalachian Trail. I've been to national parks and done some hiking and things like that. What does the trail look like? What's it, obviously it's not all, it's not asphalt. It's not well-groomed. Um, is, is it all rock? Is it you end up in dirt, you end up going through trees. What, uh... My feet are on uh, dirt and rock. And it's uh, in the summertime, uh, it's called the Green Tunnel because it's gorgeous. It's all overgrown green. Um, and you, uh, you, you don't even need a hat in most cases. Um, and uh, it's, uh, as I said, it's very strenuous. And there's lots of water in streams that I have a filter. I filter all my water um, and I carry about uh, one to two liters at any given time. So I replenish that as I'm going down the trail. But it's very self-sufficient walking in nature. And it's my, it's my hike. I'm going to hike my hike, no one else's. And so I'll stop when I want and look at small things or large things, the vistas or talk with people or not talk with people. I have chosen to do what's called stealth camping. I'm not going to camp in campsites. That's where the cow patties and the uh, 
nasty things lie. And I, with my tent, I'm going to go beyond the, uh, the shelters and I'm going to find a, a space 100 feet, 200 feet off of the trail, string my hammock and do stealth camping. Uh, so I know I'm there and the only other people know I'm there are my family because I have a special device called a spot that sends out a GPS uh, uh, signal. And so my family will get regular, under my determination of what regular is, uh, ideas that I'm safe and where I am. And of course that spot has the capability of pressing one button and putting out an SOS if I have a real problem and need to get airlifted out or something like that. But I, the whole idea for me is to be in nature, self-sufficient, walking that trail, doing my own hike, and just living the life that I perceive I want to live during that period I'm on the trail. So that's called freedom. Wow. wow. <clears throat> um, what about safety? Um, both from people and from animals or, or, or any of the other things. Are, are there the, animals along the trail or? Good question. Well, yeah, let's talk about animals first of all. There, there are bears and there's lots of other animals, lots of animals, deer, of course, but there's raccoons and squirrels and you name it. Uh, so it's a wild area. Again, the area for, it's a, it's a narrow trail and you rarely see how, well, you can see houses at, on vistas, but that narrow trail runs from Georgia to Maine. So you're really in the wilds and those animals are permanently in that wild. And the only thing we need to remotely be concerned about is man, dangers of man. And there's only been one death by attack in the last 20 years. So I think we're okay there. I'm not gonna carry a pistol, for example, but I will carry a little little tiny canister of, um, it's not even bear spray, it's a, it's a mace type of product. Yeah, I was, I was always told if you're going to go hiking, you got to bring a slow fat friend with you. <laughs> you don't have to be able to outrun the bear as long as he can. Well, that is correct. That is correct. Well, there's, there's uh, the danger is really other people. Uh, and, and just being harassing or smart aleck or drinking and coming up to the trail and the, and the intersections and uh, just have, harassing the people up there. But that's... Um, that can pre pretty much be avoidable. I would guess most of the hikers are really good people and, and really kind of look out for their own, don't they? They look out for their own and they form what's called a tramly. It's not quite a family, but it is a sort of a natural gathering on the trail. They don't walk together hand in hand. They may, and many times they're out of sight from each other, but they'll say, well, let's, I'll meet you tonight at such and such a location. And that tramly will progress until one of them decides to rock, drop out. And uh, they become close friends and communicate with um, emails and so forth for years thereafter, because they develop a very special relationship and they come from all walks of life, all walks of life. People just getting out of the service or coming back with PSD uh, to uh, ones that have um, just graduated from college, don't know what they want to do, but they got a degree, so they go hiking for six or eight months. 
so there, it's a really a complete cadre of personalities and histories and all of that. And, and if you ask them, some will tell you what they're about and some won't. Uh, but most of them are trying to work out something in their life. They're trying to get it squared away. Um, and uh, and that's, uh, that's kind of the bond, is everybody's out there to work out something. And, uh, and that's, that's what's attracting to me. I, li I like that process. John, you said you spent 100 days on the trail already. I, I don't know the right way to say it. Were you just wandering around aimlessly or did you, were you just, Hey, I'm going to go for, you know, two, three days of hiking. I'm going to walk in and then turn around and walk back or just kind of nature sightseeing or. Well, I've always been an outdoor dude. Uh, so when our children were preschool, I would take them to the Smoky mountains and other places and we would hike for a week and they still are avid hikers. In fact, I'm going with our son, my wife and I are going with our son uh, to Yosemite in uh, October. So we'll, we'll be hiking every day in Yosemite. Um, <clears throat> but uh, I just like to go out and hike. And there's another couple that my wife and I have hiked with for years and years and years. So two to three weeks a year, we'll go hiking, hiking somewhere from Virginia to, to Georgia. And in the other times, the weekends, I'll hike around here or, um, or I'll, I'll take a trip up to where my daughter lives in Atlanta and we'll hike around Atlanta just for the weekend uh, with her, you know, with her grandchildren. So I just like to be out there hiking. I just like it. And so do they, fortunately, because I, I raised them that way. you're a Florida real estate agent and you are looking to stand out above the rest, check out Momentum Real Estate at winmomentum.com. That's W-I-N momentum.com. My son's out in Seattle and they're out day hiking almost every weekend and they've got boys that are four and seven and, uh, and everybody says, what about the rain? He says, well, if you want to believe it rains all the time, that's fine, stay away. But that brings up the whole question. You know, we think of hiking in a nice 80 degree, low humidity, but weather's not guaranteed from what I can understand. And I can imagine with, you know, fall coming, that's going to be a concern as you look at these uh, four, five, six segments of 30 days. What do you do about the weather? Well, first of all, I, I'm choosing to section hike, so I'm not dumb. I'm going to section hike in, in mild weather. <laughs> it's not going to be all winter. But my the, the hammock that I showed as a visual there, uh, I've got a special pad in that, and my sleeping equipment uh, will go down to 40 degrees. So I can, I can do 40 degrees comfortably but I also have a down jacket and that's very lightweight and, uh, and uh, a very, very good um, rain equipment, rain jacket, of course, that's lightweight and I can put layers on. So I've uh, experimented with that. I've identified those layers. I've tested them out. So um, I think I can do pretty well in the extremes of extreme high heats. I got a special shirt I just got from uh, Columbia, 
Uh, that's uh, designed, long sleeve by the way, <clears throat> that's designed for heavy perspiration, hiking, and uh, high heat situations. So I can go from the high heat to down to 40 degrees safely. And uh, there's a, a, a term that I've learned by uh, watching these videos, embrace the suck. <laughs> so uh, you I don't learn- know, I, can, I can tell you my system don't go down to 40 degrees, not outdoors. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you're, if you're, if you've got the proper equipment and you're sleeping warm and comfortably, then you're okay. And I'm comfortable hiking. I love to hike in cold weather. Yeah. And I have hiked often and like hiking in the rain. Hmm. You got to watch your, the mud so you don't slip and kill yourself. But uh, you, you basically have, have an attitude that you're going to have a great day followed by a not so great day. And you just have to plan all of the increments that come to my disposal to make the, make the day every day as good as it can be. Well, that's why the alcohol you're bringing, right? <laughs> that was an alcohol stove, I think. Oh, no, alcohol oh I thought it was alcohol, comma, stove. Well, uh, no, it's, I can't drink it or I'd die. But uh, yeah, it's an alcohol stove. Right, I'll show it to you. Can you see that? Wow. It looks like half a beer can. Well, it is not a beer can. I think it's a Sprite or something like that. But in that, it has some holes on it and you can't see that detail. But uh, that, uh, that is going to be my only fuel source for the entire hike. Not the fuel source, but only stove. Wow. So John, what, what kind of a one pot, oh. and this pot is where I boil, two cups of water and I pour that into a baggie. It's a um, freezer bag uh, and uh, over dehydrated meals. I've got a dehydrator. I'm preparing my evening meals. I'm just going to have one hot meal a day. That's again by choice. And then, and then what will you eat in between? Granola or? Yeah, granola and uh, I like cereal, particular cereal and, and dried fruit for breakfast. Um, is it Cocoa Puffs? I could, but I choose not to. I'm going to try to do it as healthy, healthy, healthy a food as I can do. What, what's this, your cereal? Uh, and there's a thing called cold soaking. So I can make certain uh, dishes, dehydrate them, <clears throat> and then put water in them about two or three hours before I eat them. So I'm probably going to have more than half of my lunch meals are going to be cold soaked. So they'll be rehydrating while I'm walking. And when I get to a spot, I'll be able to control my nutrition by eating proper foods. And in the evening meal, they may be similar foods, but I'll heat that up and I'll have a very nice hot meal before I go to bed. So what kind of a schedule are you looking at? When do you start this? Um, what months do you hike? How much time do you take off? Um, I, I'm going to go in September or October. Uh, it will be my first jaunt. Um, <clears throat> I plan to do uh, one week on the uh, AT uh, in the latter part of June. And I got up there 
and there were several circumstances that just blew it away. And uh, so I hiked only for the day with our, our son-in-law and uh, grandchild, and it just kind of killed me to come in and not do the rest of the week. So I'll do my checkout of all my equipment here in Florida. Uh, then when I actually go to start the hike, um, I'll go for a month. And so will you, quit, will you quit mowing your lawn and then you just kind of go through the weeds as, you, as, as if you're on the trail or? No, well, first of all, I got smart and I hadn't mowed my lawn in 15 years. <laughs> That's too cheap to pay somebody else to do that. <clears throat> but no, I'll go. Um, there's plenty of places in Florida to hike. There's some, we got great, great parks around here. Not a lot of hills. <clears throat> Not a, no, no hills. Because Mount Dora is barely an anthill compared to anything along right. the Appalachian Trail. But there's, there's football stadiums in various places. I, I can even go to a building and hike the stairs <clears throat> with, a pike, with a pack on. And I can get my, my body and legs in shape. By the way, I, I, my, my particular thing is I'm very good going uphill, but my downhill is, um, is my challenge. It just, I, the only times I've ever fallen have been on downhill uh, jaunts. So I, I'm thinking of just doing stairwells in uh, Florida before, you know, the month before I actually go. But the key is put the pack on my back in Florida and just get out there and hike. That's the best training of all. So would you use one, any of those hiking poles? Yeah, I am going to use the hiking poles. Yeah, <clears throat> I am. Um, not, not on every step. But um, I, I, there was years that I never used hiking poles, but I've decided I'm going to use them uh, if for nothing else, balance. Um, but it, particularly on the downhill, I've already alluded to that's my nemesis. So I might as well do something about it to be a little safer out there. So John, I didn't hear about the, the lovely Mrs. Nelson uh, coming along on the trip. Uh, no, you didn't. I, I picture when Lauren mentions it to Lisa, a shoe come flying past, um, and I can already feel my wife's mood ring hitting me right here um, when uh, when I say, "Hey, honey, let's go hike the Appalachian Trail." <laughs> and well, there's no there's no uh, hotel with a pool either. <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. Right. Well, I mentioned uh, I've hiked the AT hundred hundred days. Uh, that was well, most of that, I would say 99% was with my wife. So she loves to hike, but uh, her body is just not as, as good a shape as mine right now. She's, uh, she's 80 and I'm 81. So um, she's not going to go. She's going to be my ground support, if you will. She'll ship me uh, care packages every week to post offices and I'll go into town and pick those up and my plan is to go back to the trail. So I'll prepare all those packages before I leave Tampa. And so she'll be my ground support. And um, she'll meet me, you know, she'll go up with me and launch the, the, with me, go to the beginning of the trail and probably be there when I finish whatever section hike I'm on. So she'll participate, but not, she will not physically be beside me. Gotcha. I, I want to ask you about the, the cost for something like this. I, it doesn't sound like your average summer vacation, but this show is called Trends, Bends, and Opportunities, and there's clearly there's an opportunity in this. 
And so what do you hope to find out there? Well, those are two questions. The, the cost is pretty easy. Uh, from everything I've read, a budget of about $1,000 a month will do it. And that includes one night a week in a hotel room and uh, a big nice meal and some other goodies. I'm thinking of not doing that, not for cost, but for, I just want to be on the trail because I used to travel much of my careers. Uh, so I, I, I don't need to see another city. Um, I, and so I'll go in and pick up my goodie bag and go back to the trail is my current plan. So that, that deals with the cost. So I'll spend probably less than $1,000 per month. Uh, some say down as low as a dollar a mile. So, um, so that's kind of the range. What do I hope to find? Um, it, in training for this, uh, this adventure, I have found enormous joy in the space that I have carved out to do nothing but put one foot in front of the other. And that takes me to a wonderful place with the time, the luxury of time to think about my past life and things I've done, good and bad, sort through all of that. And uh, what I'm doing with my current life, sort through all of that, and then what I wanna do with my future. And that, that is a real luxury in this fast paced world that we're living in, particularly with all the problems that are on the front page of the twice a week newspaper and on every day, every hour on the television. Um, I just, I, I, I'm a guy that likes to manage what I put in and into my mind. And I, I choose to minimize the bad news and maximize the good news. And um, that's piking uh, in preparation has really gone a long way of just kind of sort of sorting all that out, making me feel more at peace. And that's what all of us seek is finding peace. And um, so I look forward to getting out there on the trail again and, uh, and, and being, there's more to do to find that peace on an Appalachian Trail than there is on Bayshore Boulevard. Be sure to like, follow, and share us wherever you're tuned in today. If I can find it on Bayshore Boulevard, you bet your life that I can uh, find more on that trail. Oh, that's true. That's very true. Yeah, I, I, I admire that because uh, I just finished reading a book. You may, I can't remember the name of it. It was about a guy that went up to Alaska and built his own cabin back in the 60s. <clears throat> and um, he ended up spending 30 years up there. Um, and he just couldn't believe that anybody would want to come back to civilization because it's so peaceful and the camaraderie and things like that. Um, so I'm just trying to think about the, how you facilitate this. You go take off and say it's October 1 and you hike the month of October and your wife's going to drive up and pick you up or you're going to fly home or then you fly back, uh, what, a week later or six months later? Well, we have uh, a daughter and two grand, well, daughter, son-in-law and two grandchildren in Atlanta. So she'll stay there uh, some or all of the time that I'm on the trail. 
<clears throat> they will take me <clears throat> to a uh, to the uh, southern terminus of the Appalachian Trail, which is Mount. Uh, um, um, thinking of the, the final, the Katahdin, but um, Springer Mountain, of the Appalachian Trail, and it's the, we'll park the car and walk one mile to get to the beginning of the trail, and then I'll start out and they'll walk that mile up to the trail and then back to the car. I'll wave goodbye and I'll be on my way. So wait a minute, you got to hike a mile just to get to the trail to get started on the 2200 miles. That doesn't right, even sound no elevator. fair. There's no elevator. I guess you can find a helicopter and pay them to take you there, but you got to hike there. That's like having a run to get to the race just so you can run in the race. That well, the traditional, the traditional run to get to the, the beginning is an eight-mile hike, and it's very, very strenuous. So first-time hikers, some of them get to the beginning of the Appalachian Trail up that eight-mile hike. They turn around and go right back to the car, and, and that's the end of it. So it's a very challenging, challenging endeavor. But the, the place that I'm going is on a forest road. Uh, I was up there again two weeks ago. Um, and we just parked the car and we walk a mile up to the Appalachian Trail and uh, we're there at the beginning of it. So you get to the end of your 30 days, you're going to be right, 300, 400 miles up the road. Yeah, and that that's open for discussion, but I have the, uh, it's a product called SPOT, S-P-O-T, and that will give the family notification of where I am every day, and they can follow me every hour and so forth on my so they journey. They know where to pick you up? Or when They'll you have a general idea. You're going to pick me up on the other side of uh, the Smoky Mountains, and I have a cell phone, of course, so, at, so there'll be there will not be continuous cell phone coverage the entire hike, but in the major areas, uh, there will be. So I can coordinate that. And worst case, I can take a bus back to Atlanta. Um, but so there's how, how late shuttle services, through? shuttle services, and all kind of well, alternative ways to get around. Then how, how late up. into the fall can you actually hike? Depends on the weather completely. Uh, I would say, and I've looked at the map, uh, the, uh, the, the, uh, the weather in um, late October, 1st of November, it gets pretty cold. So, um, and right now, my wife and I are planning on being in California for three weeks. So I gotta, I gotta coordinate all of that. You're not walking out there, are you? I, I'm sorry? You're not walking all the way to California, are you? No, no, no. We're going to take an airplane. We're, okay. we're going to be conventional. Uh, so I got to coordinate that and still run my business. And again, I'm at the swan song years of my business. But um, I've got I got things that I definitely want to keep the crank turning uh, in the business world. Um, so all of that said, I've got a lot to do, particularly in the September and October time frame. Doc, well, I, I know you've got a... a question coming up probably, but uh, I, I'll tell you what, I'm almost inspired to um, put this on my bucket list. I'm thinking about committing to walking the Appalachian Trail through West Virginia, through the whole state of West Virginia. I that think is fantastic. I've, I've done two thirds of Virginia and it, it is beautiful. Oh, I don't know about Virginia. I was thinking West Virginia. Oh, West Virginia. 
Well, there's there's very little. The, the trail goes through 14 states, and that was that's a very political decision of why the 14. But West Virginia gives the least amount of attention to. But the midpoint and the home of the Appalachian Trail Association is in West Virginia. So you, you know you got your flag to wave, but it's not. West Virginia does not have an extensive part of the trail. That's what I was thinking the advantage was. That, that's yeah. what I was thinking. <laughs> yeah. what, is, what is it, three miles through their path or five? And there's or? there's four. It's four yeah. whole miles. <laughs> yeah. Well, anything is better than nothing. <laughs> well, there, <laughs> that's true. Hey, uh, Doc, actually, a, a question came in off of Facebook. What what are your go-to hiking shoes? Um, I, um, let me think a minute. Um, part of being 81 is it does take a, a while for the brain to catch, uh, catch the keys, the, the cogs. Um, 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 I've got three pair and um, Vask, now I finally caught it. Vask is two of the three pair. Vask, V-A-S-C-V-A-S-Q-U-E, I believe. Oh, okay. Vask, and uh, uh, one is a trail runner, and the other is a um, a hiking boot, very lightweight. I'm going to do this all the entire hike in a trail runner. Wow. So it's got lugs on the bottom, but the tops are um, lightweight, very lightweight. Hmm. And then I have um, special socks, special calf uh, sleeves uh, designed for this kind of activity. So a um, couple of really good questions in the few minutes we have left. Uh, what advice would you give us, uh, offer us to the rest of us about remaining physically and mentally active when we reach our 80s? And I said, when we reach our 80s. I have a goal of meeting 115, so I, I got to kick it up. You know, these good. marathons, you make these marathons or half marathons look pretty weak. You know, you're going to do practically a half marathon a day. So uh, um, what what advice would you give us? I'd say number one is I've, I've done this all of my life. I've planned my life to be, to live to the age, be 102 years old. And with God help, God's help, and my active participation in that plan, I uh, have a better than average chance of making it. So that's number one. Um, number two, um, I intentionally avoid crowd think, white guilt, and cor political correctness. I, I basically like to do my own thinking and take my own counsel. And in today's world, that served me better than any time in my past. Um, I'm a positive guy. I, I choose to be. Uh, there's lots of negatives, but um, I, I like to get projects that I have a passion for, and uh, i.e. the Appalachian Trail. Uh, and when I get that passion, I just feel good. And that, uh, that, that passion and the projects will crowd out a lot of the negatives. We're all going to have some negatives. But I give that, I give the negatives minimal space. 
and I put in its place the positive passions that I carry around uh, on a continuum basis. Uh, last, uh, not last, but I do get physical. I get physical, physical, and mentally awake. Uh, I try to stay there and I do, I take on, particularly in my business, I take on projects that are mentally stimulating, that have math and various things that are challenging to most people. I like that, I like to challenge myself. And um, I, I would highly advise people to not walk away from challenging activities. And then last but not least, it almost sounds Pollyanna, but uh, I've learned to love myself more, love my family more, and just love humanity more. And that, that really has uh, helped me sustain a lot of the silliness and ugliness that goes on in this world. I'm not perfect. You know, I'm not trying to be uh, anything other than me, but I'm more comfortable with me now than I've ever been in my life. And uh, I think it's only going to improve. This has been amazing, uh, John, to, uh, to see uh, somebody who's so passionate um, taking advantage of the, the opportunities that these times are bringing us um, and, uh, you know, mixing that in with your with lifelong goals. Um, and then just the passion, just the passion, the excitement. Um, Doc, what do you think? I just, you know, just like reading his book, I couldn't get enough of it. Um, and, and this whole venture, an 81-year-old going out in the middle of the pandemic, when, Pat, there's something that you have not said this whole episode which well, is exactly what John does not do, which is? Well, John is definitely not hoping for a snow day. <laughs> but by the way, Pat, I'm hearing from some of our fans that you have mentioned the word snow day so much that they're going to start a drinking game. So anytime you say snow day, they're going to have a drink. And, and I don't know if that's true or not. not and they start saying it three times an episode then. <laughs> But um, what John's doing is not a snow day, and I think that's fantastic. But you know, there's one thing we haven't mentioned yet. How can we live vicariously through you, John? Can we follow you? Uh, are you gonna be tweeting or blogging or YouTubing or something like that that we can follow? Yeah, I got another show and tell. This, um, this is a very simple thing. Everybody knows what it is. It's an iPhone and uh, I'm going to video record and hold this thing out in front of me and talk uh, and actually take, take an audience on the trail. Um, I've got a, a strategy for that and a plan and a theme. It's not going to be a gear um, review. There's plenty of that on YouTube. It's going to be uh, personal experience with what's going on in, in me and uh, the hardships I'm having, the joys I'm having, the, um, the, the whole concept of just being out there in nature at my age. And the, if, it, if it goes well enough to be put into some sort of a edited form, then I'm, I, I've already checked it out and it'll be backpacking with Papa. And Papa is my, um, is my trail name. Of course, that's what my grandchildren call me is Papa rather than grandfather, it's Papa. P-A-U-X. So, uh, P-A, 
P-A-U-X. Yeah, or one word or two year, two words. So uh, backpacking with Papa, uh, I think that's going to be um, another passion, another passion. And uh, it's going to give me, there's three parts to living uh, with passions. You plan your passion, you live the passion, and then you savor the passion. And those three are very, very all three have to go together or you miss the boat. To me, the savoring of the passion is record it and get it onto a YouTube type of format, 10, 12 minutes per session, that sort of thing, and follow Papa on his, on his backpack. It doesn't have to be just the Appalachian Trail, but that would be the first entire series. But uh, like we're going to uh, Yosemite, again, I've been there two or three times before, um, hiking with Papa in Yosemite, um, Yellowstone. So there's so many places to hike with Papa with the audience being people my age with similar challenges and, uh, and, and dealing with those challenges, honestly, say my feet hurt, I've got blisters, but I'm gonna continue to hike, you know, deal, that kind of honesty. I think there's an audience for that. There's certainly I, me, I'm, I'm interested in it. I agree and I wouldn't be a bit surprised, I think I mentioned this once before, if there's not sponsors out there like AARP or something like that, that would be willing to pay money to be, in, to be involved with it. I, I think there are. And uh, I've already got uh, the Hammock, Hammock distributor uh, was a, is a semi-sponsor already. Uh, so I, thank you, Lauren. I used your idea and you got a nice discount on my hammock. <laughs> Not many 81-year-old guys writing letters. I'd like to act the Appalachian Trail using your hammock. <laughs> well, John, uh, I know we're bumping up time, probably over time by now. Um, the one question I have left is, uh, would you be willing to come back on the show before you before you take off? Are you going to have time to do that before you start sure. hiking? Sure. It's a passion. I'll talk to anybody anytime about it. And, and we know we want to hear from you once you come back from one of the, your first segments. From your leg, yeah, for sure. Yeah, sure, I'd love so, to. Pat might already be done with his four miles through West Virginia at that point. <laughs> right, right. Hey, now, 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 don't get the cart in front of the horse here. We got to take, we got to do research, field research. You heard John say he, he's learned a lot. I, I got a lot to learn here. You, uh, you might want to check out our YouTube channel, Pat on the Couch. Um, <laughs> no, Pat, just, just to clarify, Pat does, when he goes up to Savannah, he walks the squares and I, what do you put on, five miles at a time? Yeah, five, six miles a day, yeah. He, he's not, he's not on the couch and, um, you know, it, it's just great fun. My wife and I are, you know, kind of starting to get back into our half marathon training. We're supposed to have one in October. So you got to have something to look forward to. So, um. Pat, you got any other questions before we give them a challenge? No, I, I think this is this is going to be an interesting challenge because I don't know how you hold up to the to the true challenge, which is to to try to emulate John. You know, we don't have to be John. We don't have to do everything that John does, but we do want to emulate him in his thinking. But before I do that, I think I forgot to say on Tuesday, on Thursday of this week, we have Debbie Lundberg talk and she's got another phenomenal story she's got um she's got something she's going to talk about getting people back into the workplace and that's a huge challenge 
she's also doing something incredible where she's donating a kidney. Talk about two wow moments and holy crap moments. Um, somebody I don't even like to loan out my lawnmower. <laughs> I agree. But let's let's end this with a with a challenge. Wow. Just just being like John is a plenty of a challenge. That's why I've liked to hang around him for the last 10 years. It's it's infectious. But I'm just gonna take one thing that we talk about each time, and that is to think bigger. You heard John talk about thinking and managing what you're taking in and what you do with that and how you're handling your passion, you know, you you plan it and you live it and then you then you savor it. Um, just change the way we think and really make it in a way simpler and in a way make it better because it's healthier better. And that's the way we live to be 102, not worrying over everything, not getting into big arguments over my rights, I don't want to wear a mask, I don't want to be safe. Uh, I don't care if I'm infecting other people, but instead think differently, not worry about a lot of this stuff. I love the comment where he said, it's, it's too cheap to hire someone to mow your lawn, to worry about doing that yourself. Think differently. When you think bigger, you can, there you go. He's got the sign. Think. I love it. I love it. And too many times we aren't thinking. So, Pat, we want to think bigger, reach higher, and then what do we do? We're going to do what we never thought possible, like hiking the Appalachian Trail. Maybe, maybe the whole thing as opposed to just my four miles, but whatever your Appalachian Trail is, get out there and do it. Yeah, it might not be the Appalachian Trail. It might be something else. I know when I ran my marathon, it felt like the Appalachian Trail, but it's like, Whatever it is, expand your thinking. Think, what if I did? Why not? So John, thank you so much for, for this inspiring uh, conversation. And um, we hope to be talking to you before you get back out. Love to have you on because this is exactly what we want people to think bigger, reach higher, and to do the impossible. Thanks, John. And with that, we're going to sign off with our signature jazzy hands. And we'll see you back on Thursday. Thanks, John. Bye now. You can connect with us directly at thinkingdisruptive.com. That's thinkingdisruptive.com. Thinking